Just have a lot of special, special memories here. And, uh, you know, the Tammy Faye comment about Merlin is because um, T- Miss Daisy always hated when Rick would call Tammy, my wife Tammy, Tammy Faye. She's not a good example. You shouldn't say that. And so that was kind of more of a, a flash from the past. And, um, but, uh, well, let me just give you a real brief update of what's going on in the Dominican, um, in our ministry at least. We have experienced the pandemic in, in a lot of similar ways that you folks have. Um, March 18th, they, we came out with a, a really strict quarantine. They shut all businesses down um, except for grocery stores um, and banks. And um, they, they, we had a curfew that was 5, 5 p.m. curfew, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. was the only time you were allowed out. Um, everything stopped. Just, and you guys experienced much of the same thing here in the States in various degrees. Uh, at this point, we have about 16,000 cases that are reported. You have to understand, in third world countries, uh, oftentimes people don't go to the doctor because they don't have money to pay the bills. So there's no telling how many cases we have. 500 deaths have been attributed to the, to the virus. Um, one of the, we had to, to stop our services like you folks had to. We did everything online. Um, and uh, one of the things that happened was uh, t- we had sent our girls back. Well, let me go back a half step. We have another couple, Taylor and Mary Harmon, that came down to join us and work with us. And uh, Mary is due to have a child here in the next couple of weeks. And they were planning on, on, they wanted to stay as long as they could. But in, in March, as the things are starting to get a little more, touch and go in the DR, I really suggested they go back. And so they decided to go back and we sent our three young girls back with them because uh, schools had shut down. We were doing everything online. Our daughter, Courtney, and her husband, Jeff, you know, they live in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Well, Courtney foster parents. They, they have foster children. They had two boys that um, they loved very dearly and had invested a large amount of time in. And they were very hopeful to be able to, to adopt them. And then some things happened, to make a, a very long story just, just brief, uh, the boys were taken from their home back and returned back to their mother when they really shouldn't have been, and it just broke Courtney's heart. And um, so we thought it might be a good time to send our girls back to just kind of hang with their sister and have some family time, and so we did. Tim and I planned on riding out through, that was um, late March, Tim and I planned on staying through till early June right before the wedding. Probably coming back about this time, to be honest with you. And um, I, about uh, mid-April, early April, one Sunday, I got food poisoning. I ate some bad turkey, and I was up all night and um, laying there in bed. And Tammy, being the caring, sweet wife uh, that she is, was snoring away all night long. And, uh, no, she doesn't snore. Um, but she was asleep. And, um, but I laid there, and I got to thinking, you know, if I had the virus, they would put me in a hospital, and they would separate me, and she would be isolated here by herself. And, and, um, and, and through the years, Tammy has battled uh, anxiety attacks. So I got to think, at 3 or 4 in the morning, all of a sudden things come to me. You know, I'm not real wise, you know, 6 a.m. To, to midnight, but somewhere around 3 a.m., I stopped moving around, and I let God talk to me. And... and um, it just really dawned on me how unfair it would be to put her in that situation. So when we got up Monday morning, I said, well, you know, let's check into some flights. So we called Delta, and um, I waited on hold for an hour. And they said, uh, yeah, actually, tomorrow's the last flight out of the Dominican. So um, 
we wrestle with the idea of leaving. Because I knew, I knew what our folks are going through. We got on the flight and flew into JFK and been back for about six weeks. And um, our churches, the Lord has had his hand in this. Our folks have kind of stepped forward. Our, 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 some of our men are really taking steps of leadership and, and really owning the ministry, which is what you want as a missionary anyway. That's why we're there. And so it's, God has really used it. Um, but the, the, the pandemic, um, everything shut down. And, and you have to understand, Dominicans are not like Americans. We don't have, they don't have checking accounts and savings accounts. So when you don't work, there's no money. And when there's no money, there's no food. But our, po- our people, they are strong faith. And the Lord's really doing a work in their lives through this. And, um, and, and much through, through, through much of your generosity, we've been able to, to provide food and send money back for folks to keep them uh, have food in their homes. And so, praise the Lord, we just wrapped up a service in our church this morning about 20 minutes ago. And, um, in fact, we preached on, I preached on the power of the church, the importance of the church. And so, I just say thank you. And I want you to know your sacrifices, your gifts, uh, the times you don't go out to dinner so you can give to missions, the times you respond to God when he asks you to give, when you respond in faith, they are, they are having profound effects in the Dominican Republic. Our church is growing. Um, we are late, spent five years laying a foundation to plant churches throughout La Vega and, and, uh, and train up men and women to serve the Lord. And we're finally arrived at a point where we're about ready to do that. Uh, we'll start here in the fall when things get back to the new norm, whatever that is. Um, that's where we're headed. We'll uh, establish our, our Bible Institute for training, um, uh, for, for ministry training. Uh, we have a young man who's been in Mexico the last two years. Uh, one of our original men, a uh, young man, he got married, and he's coming back, and he'll be, he'll be uh, essentially will probably be the next, our, our assistant pastor and probably the next pastor of our church. And so we're excited. Uh, we're real excited. Um, I can't wait to get back and get at it, to be honest with you. It's taken four and a half years to lay the groundwork, to, and it's been slow and uh, arduous. And sometimes you say, God, are you sure this is what you want us to do? And, um, but we're, we're seeing the fruit, and so thank you. Our church is growing. We're, you know, we're not big. We're about 60 people. Uh, we've been there almost five years now. And if you remember, we, the church was about to close its doors when we got there. And so the Lord has, has prospered us, and we believe um, there's some really great things ahead. And I look forward to writing the prayer letters and sending videos back to you folks, allowing you to see how God is uh, transforming lives and saving souls. So thank you so much for being our sending church, for being our partners, our co-laborers, to be honest with you. And... Uh, it's so good. It's so good to see so many familiar faces and um, hug your necks or extend distance hug. And, um, you know, it, it has been a hard time. Our girls um, finished up school online. Tammy taught online. And uh, she says that's a lot harder than real life teaching. How many of you folks have experienced that work online is a lot harder? Virtual work is a lot harder than real work. You know, it's, it's tough. And... Um, so we're all anxious to get back to 
to daily interactions with people. And so we can love on people. So keep praying. Keep praying. God's doing a great work there. This morning, I'm going to channel my inner Rick Johnson. I actually have three messages to preach to you this morning. I'm going to combine three messages. And, uh, oh, ho, ho, ho. You know, I sat where you sat for 14 years. Where you sit now, I sat for 14 years. I remember thinking, oh, my word. No, never. Um, Never had that thought. But this morning, I want to take you, if you would, open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm not going to preach all these three messages entirely. Young people, I promise you, I will not do that to you. And um, 22 years of youth ministry, I learned. Proverbs, uh, Hebrews 12. We've been doing a study in our, in our church in the Dominican on heroes of the faith. We all love heroes. In fact, our country, our world needs heroes at this moment in time. And uh, we're going to talk about at least one hero today, and maybe two, um, depending on how fast we go. Now, let me ask, Steve Vermont, what time do the restaurants start to fill up on Sunday morning? Today. today. So we, we, I can go long, and you guys can still get to a good restaurant? Okay. Thank you. I was going to ask Bill Brewer, but I, I thought he'd say 10 minutes ago. So... <laughs> You still have the big clock, Rick. I like that. I appreciate the big clock. So, you know, it used to sit on the front row. Did, they, did you ignore it too much so they moved it up here close to you? Is that what happened? Oh, okay. I get it. I get it. Hebrews chapter 12. Heroes of the faith. Look at me at Hebrews uh, verse 1 in chapter 12. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so glad, great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, these witnesses, they're our spiritual heroes. They're the people that have gone before us and have, have, have modeled the life that God desires for us. And that we, I believe, deep down inside, every one of us wants to be. You know, I, I want my life to leave an impression. I want to leave a mark. Um, I'm, it blesses me to come back here because I know there are people that love me here. And I see people that I had a chance to minister to that have gone on much farther than I could have ever led them. It encourages me. I want to make an impression in this world. Uh, you know, I'm mindful of the, the graffiti wall where, where it says, one guy wrote, God is dead. Well, then if you pan down that wall, you see another statement says, oh, I'm sorry, God is dead, Fred. And if you go a little farther down the wall, you read, Fred is dead, God. You know, I don't want my life just to be a, an inscription on a wall somewhere. I want, I want my, my heart to live on in those people that I've, I've loved and cared for and ministered to. Had the opportunity to go out yesterday afternoon and spend some time with your son, Matt, uh, Becky, yesterday, Matt Adams. And he and I probably talk once a month. And, uh, and I had the privilege of, of being Matt's youth pastor and, and being his friend, disciple. And last night I had the opportunity to spend time with the Moody's and the Belchers last night, um, just, just catching up. I want to be a hero to somebody else. I want to be a spiritual witness and I believe in deep down inside of every Christian, there's a desire to make a difference. 
to do something that, that would honor the Lord in a great way. And so, so God's given us these witnesses to provoke us unto good works. Take your Bible and go with me to Romans chapter, Romans chapter uh, 12 as well. So we have these, these heroes, these witnesses, for us to, to take note of, for us to notice, and for us to really identify them and what are the characteristics that are extraordinary in their lives that set them apart. What extraordinary characteristics do they have? Now, when you think of heroes of the faith, we think of people like of Abraham, great man of faith, okay? We, we think of, of people like Paul, who, man, Paul would have charged hell with a squirt gun. Just, just courageous, completely committed. And so we, we need to identify these characteristics that set these men apart. Well, this morning, what we did in our church is we decided, let's, let's create a, a kind of a, a, what's a, a template for our study of these heroes. So we came up with this. The first thing we want to do is we want to recognize the extraordinary characteristics that set these people apart, that made them extraordinarily effective in their witness for God. And then the second thing we want to do, we find it here in Romans chapter 12, verse, um, verse 2. He wrote, Paul wrote, writes, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If we're going to conform our lives and become witnesses, heroes, so to speak, to other people, to leave a mark, an imprint in this world, then we need to, to, to renew our minds and allow that to transform the way we live. So we need to recognize the characteristics that, that are extraordinary in these people's lives. But then we need to renew our minds so that we think about this characteristic the same way God thinks about it. We have God's mind on it. And then the third step, and, and the, the most, to me, as, as important as in any of it, is we need to then align our lives with our beliefs. You see, we're going to understand what made Abraham, Abraham. And we're going to understand what made Joseph, Joseph. But then we're going to realize, well, I'm not either one of those guys yet. How do I become that way? Well, I need to renew my mind. I need to think about these things the way God thinks about them. I need to have the heart of God about on the matter of faith, on the matter of dedication. I need, I need to have my mind renewed, and that's renewed through the Word of God. So I've got to recognize these great uh, heroes and understand why they were heroes. I need to renew my mind so that I think like God thinks, and then I've got to align my life with my beliefs. Because how many of us, and let's be honest, can we, do, can we be honest this morning? How many of us believe things that we don't live? Thank you for being honest. Much of us, many of us do. Sometimes, it's not all the time I, believe, I, I live things I don't believe. Or I don't live what I do believe, excuse me. Sometimes when Tammy and I have a disagreement, and I know that she loves me. I believe that she loves me. But sometimes I don't feel very loved. I don't feel very appreciated, and I want to express that. And so I don't align my words in these times with my beliefs. I believe she loves me, never wants to offend me, never wants to disrespect me. But sometimes my words are not aligned with my beliefs. Do you understand where I'm going with that? So we've got to recognize, renew, and align. So that's what we're going to do this morning. That's, that's message one. 
He gets a very brief. I don't think Rick has ever preached a message in seven minutes. Have you? No. Message number two this morning. And we're going to spend a lot of time here. Open your Bibles and go with me to Mark chapter 12, okay? Mark 12. Mark chapter 12. And when you get there, would you look up at me? Because I want to pray. And I want to pray together. But I want to make sure everybody's together, okay? Great to see you guys with your Bibles. As a former youth pastor, blesses my heart to see guys sitting up close, interested. I love that you guys had seven people in six chairs. That's awesome. Because the typical teenager would say, ah, he'll be all right. You know, just worry about me. That's awesome. I recognize that. And I, I, props to you guys. They don't say props anymore, but that's what we used to say. So, amen. Okay, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you know our hearts. Please speak to us tonight, today. Have your will and way. Lord, help me not to say one word that you don't want me to say. Take control of my mouth, my heart, my mind. And move among us this morning. Lord, we need to hear from you. These folks don't need to hear anything I have to say. Any of my my opinions or philosophies, they need the word of God. I need the word of God this morning. Lord, would you allow us to recognize and renew and to align so that we can leave different than when we came in? That's what it's about. It's just little by little being conformed to the image of Christ. Lord, please conform us this morning. I plead with you to work through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Mark chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 38. Um, We're starting verse 38. The Bible says, And he said unto them in his doctrine, speaking of Jesus, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing, and love salutations in the marketplaces, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and the uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, these shall receive greater damnation. He says, Beware of the scribes. Now, who were the scribes? Jesus is here, he's teaching in the synagogue, in the temple, excuse me, and he's, he's teaching, he's interacting with the religious crowd and those that have come to worship. And he says, beware, think about this, he says to the people that have come to worship, beware of the scribes. Now, who were the scribes? Well, originally the scribes, back in the Old Testament, were folks who copied over the scriptures, who just literally were clerical copyists. But in time, they grew. They grew to have more influence, and they began to teach, become known as teachers themselves. Oftentimes, they began to add unto God's law. They added things. The scribes loved law. They loved I don't like this word, but I'll I'll use it, legalism. They loved externalism. That's a better word. So they had all these laws that they had enacted to regulate spirituality. He says, beware of those guys. Now, he's he's in the temple. And around them are Pharisees, Sadducees. The scribes are there. And he's talking to the people. And he says, hey, beware of the scribes. They love attention. No, I have seven children, and I have 
One or two of my children who love attention, who crave attention, who, who would wear the shirt, notice me if I would buy it for them. They love attention. Me, I'm kind of that way too. If I'm in a crowd, I'm going to be telling stories. I'm going to try to make you laugh because I like to be in the middle of it. He says, beware of these jokers. They love to be looked on as pious, righteous, spiritual. Beware of those guys. He says, they they love to have the, the fancy clothes. They love to be greeted, almighty scribe. It would be akin to how Rick taught me to greet him when I first came on staff. Almighty pastor, grand poobah of all things spiritual. You're welcome. You're welcome. I can't tell you how much joy it gave me to do that for you. And uh, you like that? That's very good. Maybe we should genuflex when we enter your presence. (laughs) Say it again for Tim. Okay. Daniel, I'm sorry. I'm not making it any easier on you as a youth pastor. I'm sorry. But these guys loved that. They loved, if they were Baptist pastors, they'd have their own parking space with their name on it. They would be the ones that ate first at the, at the fellowships. Oh, don't touch it, that's pastors. These guys love that. And God says, beware of that. Jesus says, beware of that stuff. In fact, he goes on, and he says in verse 41, he, he really, in verse 40, excuse me, he condemns, he says, which devour widows' houses for a pretense, make long prayers. He said, these guys are supposed to be the ones you look to for spirituality, for knowing what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Supposed to be the model. And they devour widows' houses. He basically calls out their hypocrisy. Now, in our day and age right now, we're seeing a whole lot of hypocrisy. Are we not? And I'm not going to get into the whole political thing. But we're seeing a whole lot of hypocrisy. The point is, is everybody hates hypocrisy. Hypocrisy has been um, hated, disdained since time began. And he calls out the hypocrisy of, of the religious crowd here. You know, these guys in Matthew 5, the, the, the scribes, they were the same ones that Jesus addressed in, in the Sermon on the Mountain in Matthew 5. He says, uh, many times he wrote in that, in that first chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, it has been said, it has been said, or ye have heard, ye have heard. But each time, I think there's six times in that, in that first chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus comes back and says, but I say, or verily, verily, I say unto you, they have said this. The scribes, the guys, the religious guys, they've said this. But I say this. That's what Matthew 5 is all about. Is God highlighting what he really wants as opposed to what religion is teaching. Boy, this second message is going to go near as fast as the first one. Sorry, guys. Um, He says they're devouring widows' houses. Then he steps away from the crowd. Okay, look with me here in uh, in verse 41. 
And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. Jesus gets up from, from interacting with the, the, the religious leaders, from teaching to the masses that are kind of gathered in there. And he gets up and he kind of walks to the other part. He goes into an outer court. And, he's act, and, and many people believe it was the, the court of women that he went out to. And he kind of sits down and he's just watching. And he's watching people come and go in the temple, and they're bringing their offerings. Now, this time, they had offering, what they called offering boxes. At least that's what the, how the Spanish, uh, our Spanish Bible calls this, uh, a box. It was really a bronze trumpet-looking thing. It looked like a trumpet and an open mouth here, and it kind of spooned down like a trumpet would, and, um, and into a pile on the bottom. And people would bring in their offerings, and they come in, and they would walk, and they'd drop their offerings in the, the big mouth of this of this whatever, receptor. And it would, ping in the bottom. Now, they had coins. They weren't writing, using MasterCard to make their offerings. They weren't writing checks. They were, they were dropping real-life cashola, dinero, coins. Bing, bing. And you can imagine, if you brought a, a big offering, you made a lot of noise. Bing, 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 bing. Or maybe you walked up and you did it all one time. Boom. People knew it. Wow, big offering there. Big, big, good Christian right there. And if you didn't have a lot of money, or your offering wasn't so much, it was more, ping, ping. So it was a very public thing. So they're watching. And I can imagine the disciples. They're with Jesus. And I can imagine Jesus is over here sitting down. He's kind of taking all this in. He's, he's thinking through this, and he's just observing. And I believe Jesus was an observer. I believe he watched us. So he would know how to, how to really touch our hearts. How to, to put the zinger right there when we needed it. He's sitting there and he's watching. And I imagine the disciples, they're over here going, they're letting Jesus have his moment. And they're over here talking. And maybe they're even playing the game like, who's going to give more? I can see Matthew going, oh man, I know this guy. That guy walking, he's got a big business downtown Jerusalem. He's got a great Egyptian rug company. That guy's got a lot of money. He's putting in a big offering. And then maybe, maybe Philip's over here going, nah, no, look at that woman. Look at her. Look at her dress. That purse. That purse. That ain't no Walmart special. That's a Saint That's $1,500 in Nemo's Markets. She's got money. She's going to have a big offering. And then maybe, maybe James goes, Who's next? Who else? Oh, that's just the widow woman. Her offering doesn't count. Let's see what else there is. I can imagine this playing out with the disciples. Now, I'm taking literary license there, so please don't call me a heretic. I'm not adding to the scripture, but I'm just imagining what could have gone on at that time. Look what, look what happens in verse 40, um, 42 and 43. Excuse me. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, the smallest of coins, which make a farthing. And he called them to him as disciples. Now I imagine these two mites, they weren't very mighty. They were very small. And so they ting, ting, barely made a sound. In fact, nobody was, who, who gave that? Nobody was looking when they heard that sound because they didn't hear that sound. And Jesus says to them in verse 40, uh, 43, and there came, a, I'm sorry, verse 43 says, 
Man, I love it. And he called unto his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, he says, Hey guys, come here. Come here. Tim, Daniel, come here. Pam, we're going to have a staff meeting. We're going to have a staff meeting. Let me tell you something. He pulls him in. And he says, That this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. Now, let me just stop here and say this. It's very unusual for me as a missionary to preach on giving when I go to a church. It's kind of, you don't do that. And I don't want you to think I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on giving this morning because we need more money. I'll never forget when I told Tim that God had called us to, them, to be missionaries in Dominican. He said, ah, oh, you're going to be a moochinary. I said, do you remember this conversation we had in the office? I said, what? A moochinary. I said, what's a moochinary? He said, that's what people call missionaries. Well, I don't want to be a missionary. I don't want to be a moochinary. I'm not talking to you about giving. You folks are so generous to us. I'm not asking about that. I'm not talking to you about that this morning. What I want to talk to you about is about how we respond when God calls out to us. He says, this widow woman has given more than all the others. Now, you and I, most of us here, have spent a lot of time in church. And so we get it. We already know why he said that. We understand that teaching, that because she gave of her poverty. But these disciples, man, they were hearing that lesson for the first time. They were hearing that message for the very first time. They're like, say what? J- Jesus, you didn't, you didn't hear that? Uh, that, uh, that woman with the, the Gucci purse? Or you didn't see the guy with the, the rug company come through? She, gave, she didn't make a sound. And so verse 44, Jesus explains. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in. In Spanish, it says of her poverty. She cast in all that she had, even all her living. So we're going to stop and look at that verse there, verse 44. She gave of her living. The word for, that's translated living there in the Greek is the word bios. Bios. Now we know the word from biology. The study of living things. And living organisms, study of life, biology. He says she's giving her living, her sustenance. At this point in time, and this still happens in the Dominican a lot, people would go every day to the market to buy their food. They didn't have refrigeration, didn't have microwaves, no TV dinners. So they went every day to the market and they took money and they bought their food for that day. It still happens in the Dominican. Many, many people show up. Even the wealthy who have all those things buy their food oftentimes every day. And she went with her two mites to buy her food for that day. But while being in the temple, she was so moved that she gave her bios, her, her life, her sustenance for that day. She took what she had brought to buy food and used it for a different purpose, a different intention. She gave what she had. Why? Because she's a great Christian? That's not why she gave it. She is a great example to us. That's not why she gave it. She gave it because she was moved by the Holy Spirit of God to make the offering. So she, now I'm talking about giving this morning. And we're talking about how we should give and the point is, we should give as the Holy Spirit moves us. And, and oftentimes, God moves us to give, not just financially. Rick mentioned 
Brother Hank, who I love dearly, Miss Leota. And I got to thinking about the other folks that you mentioned that had gone on before. I think about Mildred. And I, I don't know how many of you remember Mildred. It's been a long time since she passed. Mildred Duell, she used to sit right there. And whenever I would preach, I didn't preach often back then. But whenever I would preach, and there was a good reason why I didn't preach often back then. But whenever I would preach, she'd just smile at me. Much like you are. Just sit there and just smile at me. Made me think I was Adrienne Rogers. I was Dr. Charles Stanley. She's smiling, nodding her head. I think, you know what? She sat there and God moved upon her spirit. Encourage that dumb young man. I know he ain't making sense, but encourage him. And she did. Miss Daisy, she'd say, that was a great message. No, I knew it stunk. But she lied to me. And I appreciated it. But, you know, God said, you, know, you need to encourage that young man. He's doing the best he knows. And I have experienced that kind of giving in this church many, many times. We first moved here. We, had, we bought a house over um, between Sparkman and Oakwood. A little bitty house, not far from where Andy and Pam lived. And we had these big old pine trees in the back we had to take out. We took them down. And I got some of the teens come over and we drug all the logs around to the front yard. And then I learned that the city wouldn't come take it. It was too much wood. They wouldn't take it. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And Saturday morning, Andy Sisko shows up in his pickup truck pulling a chipper behind. And he pulls up into my front yard. And I'm like, hey, get out of my yard. No, I said, what are you doing? He said, I thought we could do this. And, and bless his heart, we dug in and we started chipping. And here's what happened. My kids had soccer games that morning. And I was the coach. And I could not go. And I was embarrassed. And I'm sorry. I, he said, no, go. You need to go. Go. And he made me go. And when I came back, most of that wood had been chipped up. And we had, we had pine bark for all of Huntsville. God put a thought in his heart to be a blessing to a family. And he was. Never forget it, brother. Never. When God moves on us to give, like he did on this woman here, she responded with, okay. God says, I want you to put those two mites in the offering. I know it's your food for today, but I want you to do that. And she did it. She didn't march up there. Look what I'm about to do. Taking a great step of faith here. No. She didn't, hey, would you pray for me while I take this step of faith? She didn't ask for a prayer request about it. She didn't write home a prayer letter like missionaries do. She just dropped it. And I imagine she just kind of slipped away. See, she was willing to not eat. She was willing to give up her life. For that day, her sustenance for that day. The point is, she responded when God called. God calls us to do a lot of things. I would love if God would call somebody here to be a missionary, to be a pastor. But I, I'd love if God would, would call you and say, you know what? I want you to raise a godly kids. I want you to be a dad that disciples your kids. And I would love it.
this morning, if one of you guys got up from one of your seats and came to the altar and said, God, no one knows I'm praying this, but I want to be a great dad. I want to raise disciples. I want to raise kids that are sold out to you. Would you help me? I'm giving you my life today. Teach me to be a great dad. Teach me to be a, a man of God, a husband, a faithful husband. That's what she did. God called her to do something. In this case, it was make an offering. But God calls us to do things all the time. She's a hero. She's a heroine, excuse me. She's a heroine in the word of God. Because when God called, she responded. She said, yeah, I'll do that. Simple obedience. You know, she was all in. That's her characteristic. She's all in. You know, that's a pretty much a, 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 that's a common mentality of heroes. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 and 18, we read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says, They answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. Remember, he was going to throw them in the furnace if they didn't bow down and worship him. We don't care. We're not careful to give you the answer you want to hear. If, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. We believe. We're all in. He can save us. He can deliver me from the fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But then he says in verse 18, they say, but if not. Now, that's not a really faith-filled statement, most people think. But, but God, if God doesn't come through for us. You know, I just thought of Rick. I thought of um, Tony Ellenberg. And they, that he should do that, that banquet for that pastor all the time. And, and he sung a song in the first part of the concert he was giving this banquet. The pastor got up and said, thank you, Brother Tony. You know, Tony's been a faithful friend of ours. You know, God has been faithful to this ministry. He's been faithful to this ministry for 20 years. Well, there was that one year. But God's a faithful God. Well, you, you know, it's kind of the, the, the comment here is, but if not, if God doesn't come through, but it's not a lack of faith. Let's read the rest, rest of the verse. Be it known unto thee, talking to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. My God, he can pro provide. I'm going off to college to train to serve you, Lord, to be a Christian accountant. I'm going to go off to college and I'm going to learn how to disciple how to be a, a businessman and make an impact in my community for Christ with ethics and integrity. And Lord, I'm trusting you to provide for it. But if you don't, I'm still going, Lord. I'm still going because I'm committed to you. If you choose not to provide the money and I have to do whatever I got to do, I'm going. I'm all in. This is a common mentality. Remember what Esther said when she came before the king and uh, her uncle I'm thinking of the Spanish name, Mardokeo, Mordecai, excuse me. Mordecai says, you need to go. You need to go and plead for your, your people. And she prayed, and she prayed, and she, she fasted, and she prayed, and she said, okay, if I perish, I perish. You see, that's a common refrain for heroes. I'm all in. I'm a believer, I'm all in. So that's the recognize. That's recognizing the characteristic. Now let's quickly go into renewing our mind. 
Philippians 2.5, Paul wrote, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. God says, you need to think like me. You need to think on these things, these issues of life, the way I think about them. You need to renew your mind. So in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, we see that I have showed you, we read in Acts 20, 35, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul, the, the Luke here in, his, in Acts, he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You ought to help the poor. You ought to have a heart to help others. Now, we think of poor and we immediately think of finances. But the same the principle applies to the poor spiritually. Spiritual poverty. See, that's what missionaries do in the third world. Many folks come on mission trips and they, want, they see the poverty, the, the financial poverty, and they get that feeling, oh, I feel so bad. I have so much. And we do have so much. Every one of us in this room this morning is rich compared to our folks in the Dominican. Okay? But here's the thing. And that's financially. But that's not their biggest need. Their biggest problem is their spiritual poverty. One day they're going to stand before God and give account for their soul. That's their biggest issue. And Paul says here, I mean, uh, Luke, um, here in Acts 20, he says, I have showed you all things. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You see, when we give, it pleases God. One way to align our thinking with God is that we need to understand when we give, it pleases God just to give. Hebrews 13, 16 says, But to do good and to communicate, forget not. But with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Deuteronomy 15, 10, talking about caring for the poor we read, Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and all that thou puttest thine hand to. You see, God is pleased when we give. When we respond and say, Yes, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do it. Proverbs 22, 9, He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. You see, God chose to record this widow's act that happened in, wow, in less than a minute. She responded to God's spirit talking to her. She walked forward and she dropped her offering in the butt and she left. And God chose to record that for, in, in his eternal word of God for us to read. Evidently, God, God thought pretty highly about that. When we give... Our time, our energy, our abilities. It pleases God. Secondly, when we give God's promises, when we give, God promises spiritual blessings. Now, let me, let me stop for a second. I, I, I want to draw a point back to what I was just saying. The contrast here between the widow is not between the widow and the rich who gave a lot. If, if you're thinking that way, you're missing it. The contrast that Jesus is making is between the widow and the religious, the scribes, who devoured the widow's houses, who wanted attention, who wanted to be seen, who wanted to be highly thought of. She just wanted to honor God. She just wanted to honor God. She just simply replied and said, okay. 
okay, you can have it. Moving forward, when we give, God promises spiritual blessings. Take your Bible and go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 with me. We're going to move quickly here. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 to 19. We're not going to get to the third message today. I know you're heartbroken. I know the teens are going to cry, but we're not going to get to the third message today. I'm sorry. Okay? Well, we're going to wrap up here in this one. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. Paul writes, Charge them that are rich in this world... That they be not high-minded, nor trust in certain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. He said, man, challenge the people to get involved in good works. Not so that we will be saved, not to earn our salvation, but to evidence our salvation, to prove that we're saved. He says, challenge them to do these things. And then he says in verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. You see, when we get involved in the things of God, we lay a spiritual foundation in our life that God can build on. We receive eternal blessings. When we give, God promises spiritual blessings. In Luke 12, 33, you don't need to turn there. Let me just quote it to you. Jesus says, sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. When we give, we reap spiritual blessings. Let me give you an illustration of this, okay? Um, When we were on deputation back in 2010, 2011, we went to uh, a church in Appomattox, Virginia, Jonathan Watson's church. And one of the things he did in the conference is they took us to a, to a movie theater to see God's Not Dead. It had just come out, and it was during the day. There was nobody there. We, we basically had a place to ourselves. He took us in there and uh, never been to a movie with a pastor before. So we went to a movie theater, and... And we watched the movie, God's Not Dead. And let me just tell you, as I walked out of that theater that day, man, I was so blessed. I was so proud that we had decided to give our lives to serve God. Not just as missionaries, but that we had been serving the Lord for the last 20-something years. That we were raising our kids to be arrows in the hands of God for His glory. It talks about in Psalm 127. I was so proud to be part of God's community of believers trying to transform lives for his glory. Man, I was on cloud. Now I was just, wow. I'm so privileged to be a missionary. And we still feel that way today. I hope you feel privileged to be part of our team. You know, when we go to churches, oftentimes we say, thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to be part of your missions team. But I think, I hope you feel thankful that you're part of our team. I hope that you have such confidence in what we're accomplishing and that you see the hand of God working, that you feel like, man, it's a privilege for us to be a part of that work. That's my desire. I think that really ought to be the desire of all of us. 
we're privileged to be a part of that. You know, in, in the Dominican, we, um, our church has started giving to missions as well. We have the same calling you do, to send the gospel to all the world. We just happen to get to do it from a Caribbean island. Sorry. And uh, so we have missionaries that we support. We have two, two missionaries in country, actually, that we're supporting. Pastor Moda, who um, is pastoring the, church, the first church we planned in Ramon Santana. And then we have another missionary over in a city called Salcedo, Brother Lopez. He's Mexican. And he's there and he's ministering to people. And when we get their prayer letters and we see the pictures of people's lives being transformed, when we see people getting baptized, and we see people, young people standing up to, to teach the word of God, man, it, I get a good feeling down inside because I know I'm a part of that. Our church is, I'm a part of that. I'm giving to that. You know, to be honest, you're a part of that. Because the support you send us we send out too. We don't have closed hands. We don't get and close our hands. We have open hands. That's a good thing. And what I learned a long time ago is, is if you get and close your hand on what you have to keep it, you can't get any more in there. I want more. Forgive me. I like more. I want more blessings. I want to be used. Spiritual blessings come when we give. Let me wrap this up. When we give... God says he'll give back. So many verses in here. We don't give to get. Understand? We don't. But God says when we give, we will receive. Proverbs 19, 17. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath giveth will he pay him again. When we give, we're lending to God. I have a lot of confidence he's going to pay that. My father-in-law always says you can't outgive the Lord. God will be a debtor to no man. Proverbs 28, 27, He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Malachi three ten, God says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And then he says this, I love this part, he says, And prove me. Let me show off. Let me show if I won't take your offering and use it and not bless you in return. Let me give you one more verse and we'll, we'll wrap up here. Luke 6.38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For when the same measure ye meet, with all it shall be measured unto you again. I want to teach you this verse, okay? I hope you guys never forget this. The image here is of a, of a woman going to the market. Now, this time when they go to the market, and I was going to do this with actual like rice or beans, but I thought I'd make a mess and I might not have have support anymore after today. So, but the, the image is a woman going to the marketplace to buy food, to buy grain, rice, beans, whatever. And what they would do is they had like an apron, this, this, the ropes that they would hang down and they'd take it and they'd fold it back up. And they'd pay and, and the, the merchant would fill their shirt or this apron with whatever they bought. And it says, you give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure, a generous amount, he's going to give you for what you pay. And then it says, press down. He's going to get more in there. And then he says, and shaken together, kind of sifting so it all settles down to the bottom. But it doesn't stop there, does it? What's the next word? You're not paying attention? Let me read it to you. I forgot to ask, running over, I forgot to ask you to turn there. It says, shaking together and running over. God says, he's, he's going to give you a good amount for your, for your, your gift, your, your obedience, your giving. He's going to 
pack it in there good. He's actually going to shake it so it all settles down in there. And then he's going to pour it so it overflows. And when, I just had this thought. I never thought of this before. You know when it overflows? Who benefits? The people around you. You see, given it shall be given unto you. And again, I'm not talking about financially. Now, the, the missions arrangement is, is you folks support us in financially and in prayer and in encouragement. And we go where God has not called you to go, but has God called you to send the gospel. It's our relationship. And God has called us to give as well, to give our lives in that, in that fashion. Can I tell you, we got the better end of the deal. We, as missionaries, get the better end of the deal. Now, I don't know if you understand. Brother Gary, you live in a third world country. I do. Sometimes the power goes out, doesn't it? Yep. I always laugh when we see on Facebook, man, when is the power coming out? Someone posted in the U.S. Man, the power's been out for 25 minutes. When is it coming back? Everything's relative. First world problems. And I don't mean that we're, please no. I don't think we're better because we're doing this, okay? I think we're privileged. We're blessed that God allows us to represent him in the Dominican Republic. It's so cool. Guys, I don't know what you think about missionaries. Let me just tell you. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I got the best job going. It is so much fun. It is so much fun to live in and speak a different language and to make up words and... And try. It's fun to meet people and, and see God take a life, a person that's on their way to hell and doesn't even know it. And to God use you in just a little way to change their eternal destiny and to see God make that person a light. It's so cool. When we give, God promises to give back. So let's wrap it up. Recognize. What's the, the extraordinary characteristic of this widow? Man, she's all in. Whatever that means, she's all in. We renewed our, our, our mind with Scripture, what God says about giving. When we give, it pleases God. When we give, he gives us spiritual blessings. When we give, he gives back. Tell me, that ain't the greatest deal going. And then what's left is the alignment part. We have to align our lives with what we believe. We've, we've changed how we think, hopefully. Now we have to align our actions with what we believe. You see, what we allow in here controls what we feel in here. And what we feel in here controls what we do with our hands and feet and with our lives. This morning, would you just respond to God like this widow woman and say, God, I'm listening. God, I'm listening. I I want to align my life with the beliefs that I I have about you, what your word says. Would you help me? God, what I'm saying to you is I don't really know what all this means yet, but I want to be all in. If we're honest, that statement scares people. Because we don't know what it means. God might call me to go to the Arctic Circle to be a missionary. He might. 
but only if you love it. If God had called me to go to Slovakia, I don't know that I would have loved it, Tim. I'm not a European type of guy. But I can tell you, I love the Dominican Republic. Can't wait to get back. We're scared to say, God, I'm all in. Because we don't know what he'll do. And maybe it's we just, we don't really believe that God is the great God that we say he is. We sing about it. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. We, we sing it. And some of us sing it really good. I'm not one of those. But I can sing it with my heart. But do we really you really believe? Are you really all in? Say, God, I don't know what you're going to do. But I choose to trust you. I'm all in. Would you do that this morning? I promise you, because I know the character of God, his plans for you are great. Whether it be an architect a missionary, a pastor, a mother, a nurse. God's plan for you is is awesome because that's who he is. Would you trust God to give you what you always wanted, the life you really always wanted? Would you say, God, I'm all in this morning? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Father,